All right, man. Welcome to Pro Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 467. Jason Lingren is with me, and Mr. Derek Condit is back. Um, I was sitting here minding my own business last night, and a box came. Lo and behold, it was from Derek. We're going to talk about some of those things. Not too long ago, I contacted Derek. I was trying to change the imprint uh, on my house. I had ringing in my ears. I knew that we were being frequency bombarded. And my ears, my left ear, to be specific, was getting weird ringing and like a noise that went like that. And it was bothering me. And I have successfully, I guess, re-imprinted my home. My ears haven't rang or bothered me in a long, long time. And I basically did it with um, Ross's Conscious Technologies Core Harmonizer, crystals, things that Derek had given me or made me aware of. And it works to the point where my dog Blix, who's a bit of a wolf baby, maybe half, half cat, half wolf, is maybe a way to describe that breed. Every day after he eats his breakfast or his evening meal, he goes in and he lays down in the bedroom where the imprinting has been done. So I know it works because he used to sleep in a different room. But let's jump in. Welcome, Jason. And a very beautiful and warm good morning. Yeah, I can't complain, man. We're in December and I'm not wearing a heavy coat. So that's all good for me. So welcome, Derek. Oh, thank you. Happy to be here. Good morning, everyone. So maybe we should open up. I called you a while back. Oh, by the way, before I get into that, are you? did you catch the episode with uh, Ross from Conscious Technologies? Oh, I did. I got most of the way through it, to be totally honest. So I'm going to be finishing it. But yeah, I got the better part of it done. Well, I think I gave him your content. You you are two guys that should meet. Uh, his wife is clairvoyant, by the way. They came down from a northern part of Rhode Island, and they brought a core harmonizer with them right before I had them on, because as you know, I got to check out all the things I cover so I comprehend what I'm talking about. But that would be a good fit. But I called you a while ago. And I was looking for crystals that had blue in them. And I'd been collecting some crystals here and there, partially to imprint my house, uh, partially just because it's nice to be around them. And you gifted me. I mean, tell folks what this crystal is. I couldn't believe it when I got here. The thing weighs like, what, 35 pounds maybe? Yeah, it's probably something like that, around 35 pounds. And it's actually a crystal sphere. So it looks like a uh, you know, around the size of a bowling ball. So it's it's, it's not a small one. Um, and really, that was already yours, Crow. And that's the beauty of it because I do work off, and I think all of you totally get it, synchronicities, energy exchange. So to describe it, let me start with that. It is a type of quartz crystal. And I've, I'll just put it this way. I've been in the rock and gem and crystal business my whole life. I'm actually a gold prospector as well. So I go way back doing this stuff in the 80s, um, all the way up until now. So I've been to a lot of shows and rock and crystal shows. And that's a, it goes by a few names, but lavender is one of them. So it's got a, it's a, I don't know how you would describe it, Crow, but a subtle purple hue to it. Um, and the point I'm making here is I've never seen one in all of my decades of this in that coloration. It's just really rare and unique. And the energy is just phenomenal. Um, and then it was just following synchronicities with me and and you as far as, and I, I don't know how far to get into this, but on the coloration, on the tie, the energy, and I don't know what I told you, but when I was being led to gift that to you, it was all just uh, intuition and synchronicities um, and energy. So as I said, it was meant, it was already yours. I was just holding it until it got to you. And then as you mentioned, um, 
it might be rehomed in the future too. You never know. And that's the beauty of energy exchange. It's done with love, literally. Well, it's, there's more to this story. People won't even believe. So I, I had gone up to, there was a local crystal shop and they moved. So I had to drive across one of the bridges to get there and the shop had been split in half. So I got there, I was a little disappointed because everything that was in the one shop had been split and part of it went up near Boston. But I saw this gorgeous, huge chunk. What's it called? Apophysite. Am I getting that right? You are apothecite. Mm-hmm. Okay. So apothecite. And it's, I, again, it's like a 25 pound piece and it was more than I wanted to spend. And so I got to talking and then the lady who was working there realized who I was calls the owner. The owner's husband is a fan of the show and they gave me a deal. I couldn't pass up on this chunk of apothecite. So I bring it home. So I take a picture of this when I'm getting ready to call Derek and I send it to him. He has the other half of that piece. I'm not even kidding you. There's the synchronicity. I totally forgot about that part. That's I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm looking at it right now, actually. It's in my office. And I, I'm like, because my life goes so fast, probably like yours, that, oh, that's right. Another part of the story. So you saw the round glass table where I put the crystals in the living room where we sit or I read at night sometimes. When I first got all the crystals combined and the big one that you sent me, I sat down one night and I started to feel really strange. And I'm all, what's going on? I felt like, oh, am I about to be really sick? I just felt odd. And I was sitting there with my hand on the apophysite. And then I realized, I think it's these crystals. So I got up and I walked away and I started feeling better. And so I'm all, holy smoke. So I go and I sit down again. Well, I, it's like I almost acclimated or something. Uh, but at first it was almost overwhelming for me to sit next to those crystals. That makes total sense. And it goes by different words, of course, energy detox, or when you have such strong, again, it's so difficult talking about this because we have to throw around the word energy. And I wish there were 20 other sub, you know, words I could use for that. But when you're around that energies, um, you can get what's it, other places is called ascension symptoms. It's affecting your biofield, the frequencies you were evening out. And you were then accessing more of the energies or frequencies around you is what was going on. Um, so yeah, there's an acclimation period. And that happens. We have people that walk in mystical wares or store and they'll just stop at the entrance and they'll go, oh my gosh, the energies. And you know, maybe they hadn't been around that much before, um, but you do even out. It's an interesting phenomenon. Uh, it was palpable at first and it, it kind of spooked me for a minute there. So, you know, when you guys come to the site and under the player, all those small image links that get you discounts from products that I feel are important and authentic, that's all been moved to shorten down the page scroll because most people come on handheld devices now. So now there's a link up top called sponsored. And for Derek, uh, there's a link to Derek and everyone else. Just click on the sponsored. You'll see all the little links. And when there are discounts available. That's where you go now. And I just did that to shorten the page and people have been asking where it went, but to get back to the point. So you sent me a box yesterday and you're doing a new thing with water. Can you talk about that for a minute? By the way, the spray you gave me, I took the one and uh, I sprayed it under the cover of my bed about a half an hour before I went to bed last night to check it out, but tell people what that's all about. What a great idea. That's fantastic. I'll do exactly the same. What we're talking about goes by a few names. They'll go by floral waters or hydrosols. And again, why, why I really got into this, Crow, is I because I, I do have a retail business and then I, I went out there and was asked about it by customers and I realized, wait a minute, what I'm buying, what I have access to to supply to the public, I was not a fan of. And I'm just 
OCD aware, um, and I'm kind of joking, but not on how important water is energetically, physically, chemically, how you don't need that in there, just on so many levels. And then I saw all that I was able to provide. I'm like, oh, heck no, that's not happening. And then me being me, like, and I have a background um, using distilleries as well and distilling different floral waters and oils and stuff. So I thought, well, we're going to get into this because I wasn't a fan of, again, what we received. So what it is, it's, so for, give some of your visualization, there's little four ounce jars. It looks like clear water. There's no coloration to it. And I'll get into why, um, because, well, one reason is because we add absolutely nothing to this, but again, these hydrosols are used for sort of like a replacement for incense because of course, incense let off all those particles that are not only landing everywhere, we're breathing them in. We have to process those. They're toxic. They're very harmful. There's chemicals and glues in there, in these incense. So then, of course, not just nowadays, but I mean, there's lots of people that have breathing issues, lung issues. So yet another reason not to burn incense or even scented candles. And you don't even have to burn the candle. It'll still, a scented candle, just so you know, off let those vapors in the room in a harmful way if they're done with toxins and chemicals, as many are. So again, bringing it back to the, the water aspect, I go all the way down because I'm realized, I do realize that these are energy tools, the hydrosols I'm talking about. So because of that, even the molecular structure of the water molecule matters because that's programmable. Crystalline structures are, we, we, and we've talked about that, and I'm sure you have with others. And then I'm very aware, and I was I thought this was odd, Crow. My, my life synchronistic as it, as it is, everyone's is, by the way. And the more we pay attention to that, the more we pick up on it. I always had a, a one um, moment in my, I don't know, it was a couple of year time frame decades ago where I was a recruiter. And I'll tell you what this ties in. And it was for a wastewater treatment plant. And they used to call us headhunters. So we would hire engineers for wastewater treatment plants, which is the place in the city that processes your water, of course. So I thought, well, that's kind of odd. I had that one thing in my life that I haven't had to apply here. Well, here's where it ties in. Knowing what I know about that, and when we turn on our tap water in any city you're in just about, you don't want to drink that. There's a lot of stuff in there. The prescription drugs were given and that we flush down the toilets. That all comes back through. And this ties into that wastewater treatment plant part. I'm aware of, and there's different types, but how the water's processed and or not processed. So it's very difficult to remove the actual medicines um, or those chemicals from your water, regardless of how many times you filter it. And you have to get involved in UV light. And, and I'll kind of go quicker now. But so aware of that, I'll take the water that we have and then process it through reverse osmosis, carbon filters, even UV, as I mentioned, treatment, which does kill the harmful bacteria and viruses and things that are in our water that the filters don't remove. That's why these multi-stage processes are so important. And then I'll put our shungite water beads. And I think you're familiar with those, just three shungite beads kind of wound together with pure silver. And that's for the energy aspect of it. Um, so that goes into the, the water after that, uh, structuring it. And then I break out the still and I'll, I'll process that water. And what you do just to get the quick understanding across for a still when I'm distilling say the cedar hydrosol water is on the bottom chamber. You're literally just boiling water. The steam goes up to an upper chamber where you have the product. In this case, I'm talking about cedar that I pick right outside my front door here from a shungite cedar tree, believe it or not. And then bring that in. And then basically you're just steaming that and it captures the steam from the top, condenses down the other side. And I'm going, I know I'm going quickly, 
but that's the essence of it. And then we literally hold the bottles under that and catch it. No additives, no oils to enhance the flavoring. Um, and I don't know, Crow, if we talked if how strong of scents you picked up on it. So that's the thing. So my, my wife had already laid down last night when the box came or she was getting ready to lay down. She put, they, she grabbed the box and she put it down and went to lay down and I opened them. I said, Oh, she'll love this. And so I started smelling like, here's the thing, man, like the cedar, you know, everyone knows what they expect to smell. Man, when I sprayed it, I sprayed on my arm to smell it. And it smelled exactly like if I was in a cedar forest and I reached down and grabbed a, a handful of cedar that had fallen to the forest floor, crush it up in my hands and smell it. I mean, real deal. So I go in and I tell my wife and she's not a fan of like, remember older women, like our grandparents might wear that perfume that's made from rose used to be really common. She's not a fan of rose but you had given me one that was rose water and she, she loved it. And actually she went and co-opted all those bottles that I left sitting out there last night. But I took the one, do you remember you gave me cedar, rose water, sage. Do you remember what the other two are? Yeah. Lavender and Palo Santo wood. So Palo Santo wood is the one I believe that was the one that was a little moist, by the way, I think, just so you know, but um, I took that one in Blix was sleeping on the bed. So I pulled up the comforter and the sheet and I just spritzed about three or four times, then shut it back down. Uh, and it was so nice when I got into bed. But I wanted to ask you, can, can you ingest that? Can you, is it meant to spray on your skin or what are the, what are all the uses that you would have for it? Sure. Yeah. And like I initially said, it's great for one main use is a replacement for incense and candles. Well, before you even answer that, it is all organic. Again, nothing added. Even the rose is just pure organic rose or Palo Santo. I cut myself. Um, so I do go through those OCD levels. So there's nothing harmful in there. But now I don't know enough personally, to be honest about, let's say, let's just use Palo Santo. I'd have to go look that up myself on a search engine to see what may be in there. So it's not made for consumption, but there's nothing harmful added to it. So now, again, I'd have to look into that. So I will. What about spraying it like on your skin? Oh, definitely do that. Yes, I would. So I, the only thing I'd say is a warning until I do my due diligence research, not internally, but anywhere on your skin. It's actually worn as um, colognes and or perfumes. You can spray it on your, make sure your pets aren't allergic to whichever one you're trying. But yes, it can be sprayed on pet beds and different things. Um, and there is slight amounts of oil in some of them. I believe the sage and the Palo Santo, and you can see it in the bottle if you look closely on the top, and that's just natural from the distillation process. Mm. So yes, you can spray it on anything and everything, and it it's it's just crazy energy-wise. And again, that's why I, I went OCD on the water, because it is an energy tool. You can not just smell it, you can feel it energetically too. So before I get Jason in here, I want to cover one more thing with you. I had contacted you, I don't know, some months ago now. And I had asked you to make an orgone, an, an authentic, non-polluting orgone device uh, for Fortune to St. Germain, which you did for me. But as a surprise side benefit, you sent me a little one, uh, the one with the copper pipe. Mm -hmm. What I did with that, and, and you also sent me a crystal that was in the shape of an X. So I put the crystal in the shape of the X on top of the little orgone copper pipe, but I centered that. Have you seen the core harmonizers from Ross? How he's got the seed of life carved into the glass. I set that orgone device right in the center of the core harmonizer. And man, it the whole room, it's just a different world. I had lived for 
I don't even know now, years when I, I could hear the frequencies, I could hear them bombarding my house and the nearest tower is about four miles away, but it's like three or 400 feet tall. And I knew because I could hear it and I almost always heard it in my left ear. And when it got bad, I heard it in my right ear. But what I'm getting at is it's possible to imprint the energy in your house. And I learned that from you. Uh, I learned a little bit of it from Ross and I learned a lot of it from Fortune because he got me started, but you guys helped me get there. But I just want to mention, maybe you can take a minute before Jason jumps in. I mean, it is literally possible to imprint a positive living space uh, in this surrounded by this world of just onslaught. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I have seen Ross's device. It's it's phenomenal. Um, and we have communicated. And on that, what a great idea you did set in the, and what Crow was talking about on the Shungite Orgone device that I have, it has, again, a little, I don't know what, two-inch copper tube sticking out of it. And I don't know if you've realized this, but of course, and I don't mean this part of it, but of course, there's frequencies in our environment. So let's call that songs on a playlist, different frequencies, a different song. Well, you can change that in one way, and that's what you've already done. But here's the, the other way of, say, adding on a song. That little Shungite organ device with the copper tube, you can take a piece of paper, write an intention, a feeling, whatever you want to quantum entangle with or connect to, roll it up, stick that little thing right in that copper tube and or frequency you can write on there. There's Really, it's limitless. And then you are now adding that frequency or intention, or I would write the word love or healed or something like that on there. And it will then be projected in the environment. You're adding the song to your playlist. So I kind of jokingly call that a little reprogrammable Oregon Shungite device. It's fantastic. And and the one that you had made for fortune was a bit bigger, Mm -hmm. uh, made it to London. These are all things that you provide, but Jason, do you want to get out on this? Derek, you know, I've been curious uh, since we've gotten to know you, What's the one thing that most people are into with uh, esoteric concepts? Has anything changed in the past couple of years? Like things that have gotten more interesting to people or less interesting, that kind of thing? Wow, what a great question. Yeah, it's going to take us kind of... So rocks and minerals, all of that, of course, Shungite, but that's not what this is all about. That's the mineral that's really exploded. But as far as just opening up that, different topics like what's called light language have really come to the surface. And that's getting a lot more prominence out there. So if we again go big picture metaphysically, that's something that a whole lot of more people are are wrapping their heads around and understanding. And there's a whole lot of aspects to that as well. Uh, but clearing and, and then again, off we can look at it from lots of perspectives, but another way would then be more people are becoming aware because again, I have a, a big rock and crystal source. So I see a lot of people that aren't necessarily in to the metaphysical or the energies and it's their first timers. And those are the ones that walk in and go, Oh my gosh, I can just feel it. And then they feel that energy around their heart. So they're getting more into smudging, earthing, grounding. I'll just say from, from, and I have a pretty wide perspective here from the people I meet and where I go, that's really amazing to me. And I'm, I'm thrilled about it because it used to be, Oh, there's a crazy person hugging a tree or, you know, this, that, or the other. No, that's that's becoming the norm now. So we get people coming in and all across the ages. I don't care if you're five or 85, they'll all come in and those ranges and just get more into that earthing or grounding aspect. So I think it was just over two years ago, the first time you came on with us, if I remember correctly, I believe it was August, actually. You had sent me either, I think it was right after we had you on, like these chunks of shungite. And there's a shard that's like bigger than my thumb 
for all this time, over two years now, in my drinking water glass, I have had that shard of shungite. And for people who want to do this, I'll say a couple things. If you use smaller ones, don't be careless because someone could choke on that, right? You could choke on that if you wake up in the middle of the night and take a drink and forget it's in there or something. That's part of the reason I use the big one. But the thing you want to know is once a week, I take that shard out and I run it under cold water. I clean it with my fingers and thumbs. You know, I rub all so no slime or anything builds up on it because it's always in the water. But it's it's been fantastic. I can't, you know, if I drink water now and the shungite's not in, I, I miss it because I'm so used to it. But that's been a big deal. But that's the other thing that you included in the box. Let's talk about that for a minute. There's these little, it's it feels like black rubber, all right? Like a, a not flimsy, not really taut black rubber, like a, somewhere in the, the, the middle. And it's it's been permeated with shungite and silver, I think. Let's talk about that for a minute. Because when I first got them, I thought, well, what are these for? So what I did with them is I put them under my crystals that are sitting on glass tables like that. But let's talk about that because apparently the uh, chiropractic practice has gone hog wild with those things. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I had sent you guys samples of those. So we, we call it shungite rubber. And for, again, a visualization, um, think kind of like a mouse pad. So it's a, you know, and it, we, it comes in different forms, different lengths and some little round disc ones, but it is, is in essence kind of the, the texture, I guess, of a mouse pad. Um, so those can get the understanding. So it's pliable. You can wrap it around your arm. And as Crow said, yes. So it's a non-toxic rubber that we we get in liquid form and we blend it ourselves. But when we blend it, we blend in nano-sized particles of silver and then shungite powder as well, because otherwise that would be clear. So any coloration in there is the shungite. And then that blend of silver and shungite, which we've also sold for years, and I'm actually holding the very first piece in my hand right now, we call cosmic shungite. We found, and I actually worked with a couple of physicists on this too, from the energy aspects, the combination of silver and shungite does give it a boost. So when you have, again, and you can have a nugget in pendant form or, or the powder form, like I'm talking here. So technically, I guess that shungite rubber would be called the cosmic silver shungite rubber, and it moves your biofield, that excess energies. So when Crow mentioned the chiropractors, we were talking off air a little bit, um, we have, I don't know how many now, but dozens of them that have been referring other chiropractors to us because they do a lot of muscle testing and they started with the shungite. So I had, a, um, and I think we even recorded a video of them in here, but we had one of the chiropractors come in, do a class showing muscle testing on that your biofield is something real. It does affect you. And so do the things you carry in it, be it, you know, black rocks like shungite in your pocket or something else does have an effect. So he was showing that. And then he uses it for his patients. So recently there was a conference. Um, so I'm, as I was joking before the show, I'm getting kind of bombarded now, but not really joking. A lot of feedback because these chiropractors, they understand it's all real and they work with our energy body day to day. Um, and really, I'm going to have to get another recording on just having them go over it because they started blowing my mind on just how they were using it um, with their patients. So the Shanghai rubber, for example, if you had a sore back. Um, I, I explained, I used it for that. So maybe you would take a piece laid on your bed or under your mattress, not under your mattress, but your mattress sheet, and then have it situated such that that's where it goes. And that's a lot more comfortable than trying to lay on a shungite nugget or something like that, of course. So that moves that energy field and you heal yourself. So I'd say, Crow, be creative 
even if you get a headache, some pain in the back of your neck, and just put that piece of shungite rubber there, and it'll just move that energy is what it's really doing. It's called orgone energy. And then you'll basically heal yourself. So we, we covered where shungite comes from. Just so everybody knows, Derek's been with us starting on episode 240. He joined us again on 302. And he joined us on episode 426. This one, of course, is 467. There was a lot of, we conversed a lot about bees. And just so you know, he was one of the men who basically solved colony collapse disorder. And part of what he did was with shungite. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, you are so in tune with your bees, you don't require smoke or any kind of a protective suit. Is that right? Yeah, no, no, you really shouldn't. And anybody shouldn't because they do respond bees to your biofield, your frequencies, your, you know, if you're anxious, they're going to know it. And if you're calm. So yeah, no, I don't, I don't have to have any, any suits or, or smokers when I'm out there, things like that. I've captured um, swarms the size of a couple basketballs, just holding up a box, shaking the limb and let them drop in. And yeah, there's hundreds that land on you, but you don't get stung. After we spoke, I noticed that because where I am, there's a certain time of the year when all these really quick moving bees they bore into the ground. They look like a long honeybee, but they come and buzz around your face. And what I noticed after the, after the episode we have is everyone reacts the wrong way. They get panicky. They start waving their arms, trying to shoo them away. And that's when you might get stung. So what I've been doing is when they come up to me, I just look at them. I interact and not once I've, I've had them almost touch the end of my nose and not once have I been stung by any of those bees. No, bees don't want to sting people. They know that they're going to die if they get sting. The stinger gets pulled out. They're in the energy field. What they're doing is perceiving your energy. And I'd say if that happens to you, that's awesome because I literally had them land right on my forehead in different places. Um, and that's them getting their frequency beings just like we are. And they're picking up on energies or frequencies in your biofield and they're you know, interacting with it. That's a good thing. Bees, honeybees specifically, actually, and this is all science, they have a frequency in their buzz, so not the sound, but the frequency in the 0.1 hertz range, which is love. So do cats when they purr. So that's a thing that's been, you know, documented. So it's, again, not the sound, but the frequency within it is a healing frequency. So you got a little boost from that bee is what you got. So you had said a thing, I think it was in the first episode where I brought up how science is always saying, well, look at this ridiculous bumblebee aerodynamically, this thing shouldn't even be able to fly. And I always laugh when I read this, it's like, it's flying. What are you idiots saying? I can see this bee is flying. Why are you trying to tell me it shouldn't be able to fly? But then you mentioned that it's quite possible that it's generating a vibrational rate under its body that makes it weightless. And then I started to think about that. And, you know, all the things that I filmed up in the sky that appear to have no motors, be silent and up there all the time. I started to wonder if someone had tracked down a bumblebee and, you know, sampled that vibration rate. I, at this point, I think it's partially about static electricity, but do you still feel that way? Are those bumblebees creating weightlessness with a vibration? Oh, absolutely. What they're doing is they're counteracting well, we can gravity is different than what they tell you anyway, but they're counteracting that frequency that's, you know, perceived as gravity is what they're doing. So yeah, they're just staying, they're staying kind of, you know, tough things to talk about because we don't have the vocabulary, especially in English for it, but to kind of walk in that line between the, the physical and metaphysical. And that's what all of us do when we use our intuition or gut instincts or spider senses. That's a thing. And the bees kind of live in that realm. So they're really unique little beings. We. <laughs> I was going to make the joke. Why is it that the fatter you get, the, the harder of time with gravity you have just to make a common sense statement about gravity, which is actually 
a theory based on a theory, but we're not going there. Um, Jason, did you want to bring something up? How many different little critters actually use like an alternative science to function like that? Are you aware at all? Yeah, well, that's a good question too. Um, there's several bees. Now I'm trying to think of other, well, I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to get into, but I mean, dolphins and whales do. Hmm, I wonder how much you get into this. But some of these frequencies can be perceived by some individuals. And this is then proven by big experiments and things in laboratories. So again, I just have the word frequencies or energies or environments, and those are picked up. They can be called biofields, auras. But yeah, some, some creatures do read those and perceive them like bees. But again, dolphins and whales as well. And when I was younger, I don't know, 19 or so, I moved to Oahu. So out in Hawaii for a couple of years, did my thing out there and didn't know anything about all of this. But then all of a sudden could feel, as, as you were talking about at the beginning of the show, Crow, when you felt the, the rocks and crystals and Ross's generator and all these energies in your environment, the same thing with these creatures. So I know they do as well, but I'm not sure how many others, to be honest. Just the dolphin and the whale thing. I've always been fascinated since I was a kid. I, I was going to be, one of the things I wanted to be was an oceanographer when I was young. We used to go down to the Scripps Institute there in San Diego, and I would just be amazed by, you know, everything that was there. But I was always fascinated when we came to the East Coast. Of course, there's a whole whaling tradition, which I don't think people should be proud of, which actually I don't think there should really be a museum. It's not a thing to be proud of what, what went on there. but when those sperm whales go down to get those giant squids, it is, it's beyond amazing. Um, I remember reading accounts of the size of the beaks they had found in the stomachs of these sperm whales after they'd slaughter them. And I used to think, you know, there, there's so much in this world we don't know about. And then of course, science comes along and it's got a way to quantify it all. But Jason, do you feel like there was something that we had left off? I keep thinking there was something that we wanted to cover, but didn't in uh, episode 426. Do you recall at all? Uh, well, the big thing we were talking about earlier was dealing with Shungite, but I don't know if we uh, forgot any aspects of that. He should let, just so if people haven't caught the earlier episodes, let people know why Shungite is spe special. So people know it looks like a black rock. It's not heavy. It's not necessarily light. It's kind of in between, but why is Shungite special and where do we get it? Sure. Yeah. It's actually, so it's carbon based. It looks just like that, a black piece of rock. It can be mistaken, not really for coal because it's porous, but it's found in Karelia, Russia, up near the Finland border, only one place on the planet. Um, and Shunga is the province, you can say, or think county, um, hence the name Shungite. But what the, the magic is behind it, and I'm kind of joking there, but not, it's science too, is the carbon 60 molecule, C60. It's also called a fullerene or a buckyball. It's a shape of a soccer ball, if you want to visualize that. And scientists worldwide are going crazy for this stuff because that little molecule, again, the C60 molecule, is contained in high amounts in shungites. And that molecule, and these studies I've um, made available on our website, so you can look under shungite FAQ, and not just me talking about them, I've actually republished a study so it can be read. The carbon-60 molecule, I know shungite, has an effect on rad particles, radiation on chemicals like glyphosate, which is Roundup weed killer, which is why I put the powder out for the bees so it adheres to their legs and they take it out to the fields. And we're helping, you know, it's all across the board. It's, all, it's been given to plants, meaning sprinkled in the plants to remove different toxins and promote growth. And I've done that here with mullein plants and things like that. 
But again, I can go on for hours on how Shungite's been proven scientifically and metaphysically to have an effect. It's just, it's crazy how much and many things you can do with it. Well, I just heard you for the first time. I'd forgotten. Uh, you said it's near Corellia. Is that where we get the name for Corellian photography? Isn't that interesting? And I have a Corellian photography device before I realized about Shungite and I broke it out and been playing with that. I was wondering that too. And you're the only other person that's going to put that together as far as I know. Well, I mean, come on. So we've I know. Got this, we've got this one mind where all Shungite comes from. There is a unique spiritual frequency coming from this elemental stone or rock. And Corellian photography was invented right there. I'll tell you. For those who don't know, Corellian photography was, I don't remember the name of the Russian guy who made it famous, but he was showing he could image auras. I mean, you probably know more about it than I do. So tell them about Corellian photography. Sure. And I've actually put, I've got the Corellian photography device, as I mentioned. I've already put Shungite on it. I've put our Shungite stickers on it. And I have these videos online somewhere. I'll try and figure them out. Um, but long story short, you get a, and it has to be done in complete darkness. So it's, and I've been asked, do a class on it. I'm like, you can't, the lights have to be out. You get a, yeah, it's odd. So you get a piece of, and it's not just a piece of glass, but just think it's a piece of glass. You put um, an electrode on another one on a grounding device, and you're just sending high energy between these. And so whatever you put on there or between, depending on the exact curling device you have, it's going to send it an electrical charge. And now you turn off the lights, hit the button, mine is a little floor um, paddle, and then you watch what happens either Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And what you'll see, um, so I put a, a little Shungite sticker on there. So just a little two-inch, just think sticker, and there's Shungite in the middle. And I wanted to see the energy differences, whether it had Shungite in it or not. And what you'll see is, I don't know, the energy field, the aura field around, and it can be a leaf, a sticker, or whatever. And you'll see little sparks of energy, kind of like what you would imagine, don't stare at the sun. But if you can imagine those um, little flames kind of coming off the sun, it looks like that. And then you do different experiments, you move it around, you, you just you play with it is what you do and you see how you can get a response. Um, so yeah, we've done that to lots of things. So you see little prominences like, like the sun filmed in hydrogen alpha, you can see that? Oh yeah, I'll get these images and send them to you. Um, I, I, I put Shungai, uh, powder, silver powder on there as well. The stuff I say you blend with paint and then maybe paint the outside of the beehives. And you see the difference on it, all of it responds because um, Shungai is the only mineral on the entire planet that conducts electricity without having to be refined. So that means you don't have to grab a whole bunch of it, you know, pull out the good parts and pieces and make a metal or something like that. Shungite, you grab a piece, and here's actually a test. Take a small flashlight where the, the end has a button, one of those with a spring, take off the end, put the piece of Shungite on the end of the battery, and then just put the other end of the flashlight back on the other end of the Shungite. So what I'm saying is, you just do a piece of Shungite in line of that charge and the flashlight will turn on. Oh, wow. And hey, take your cell phone too. Depending on the make and model, I'm finding out there's differences now. But because of that, you can take Shungite and just swipe up your, be careful, of course, swipe up and down your phone and you'll get a response as well, showing that it does conduct. I, I've got videos out there. I hooked up um, a piece of Shungite to a drone, a little four propeller drone. And I'm, I got it all spinning its props on. So if somebody Googles, not Googles, go on YouTube. Shungite test. You'll see my hands on there hooking up green lasers and flashlights and a drone, like I said. Um, and that's the only real way to know if you're not, you know, air quotes, you're energy sensitive if you have Shungite, because there is fake stuff coming from China and other places where they're 
compressing um, coal and other stuff and selling it to Shanghai. So be careful. Hey, where's the electricity coming from? Is it being pulled out of the atmosphere? No, on the flashlight example I'm talking about, really, it's just making that conductive charge from the on button to the battery. So it's not really doing anything on that test other than showing you the Shungai does conduct electricity, showing that it's real is what it is. Does it hold a charge like a piece of quartz? In a different way, it can. Um, I haven't shown a way to prove that yet, um, other than with my Carillion devices. And I've got a what's called an experimental energy device that tests actual orgone energy. So unless you get devices like that, you can't see much. But really, Shungite moves energy is why it's so good. That's why I thought it was a great idea you put in the Shungite rubber under your crystals because you're continually clearing them then. So it's not so much that you program it, but it, it removes what I just call excess and overage, or you can say heavy energies from your environment is what it does. So it's different. So here, here's maybe a lesson on the power of messaging. I think it was the 1970s, the first time that I ever heard about Carillion photography, and I saw it and I was mesmerized by it. And I thought, well, science is telling me these nutsy cuckoo people who claim they can detect or see your aura, uh, science is telling me that's poppycock. But here's this guy in Russia with this thing called Carillion photography who's imaging it. And then lo and behold, science told me that these crazy Russians don't know their, you know, their, their head from a hole in the ground. And, and I believed them for years and years. But what I was going to say is I'm getting a new telescope rig and I hope I'm not setting myself up to fail in public because I've announced I'm doing this. I've got a very good hydrogen alpha telescope, which sees the prominences and all these amazing features of the sun. The plan is, is to produce video at a level that's not currently available online. Part of it is because it's very difficult to do. Part of it is because the data transfer is insane. To make a single two-minute video, you might be dealing with 40 terabytes of data or more. Um, but that's what we want to do. But what I was going to say is if I could use the Carillion photography to show the prominences, you know, you know, you see what I'm getting at here. The human being is the microcosm, right? So here we are, little human beings, and, and the sun is showing us this energy exchange and release and the Carillion photography. So how much does it take to acquire or create a Carillion photography setup? Depending on the size, I mean, you can purchase pre-made ones online, of course. So my my glass tray I have that, uh, that would limit what I look at is, I don't know, maybe a foot. So a square foot flat is what mine is. So then you can put your hand on there. You can put a leaf on there and cut off part of the leaf and then see if the energy still goes around that. And that was part of the things you probably saw in the seventies, like me, um, they would say, they would show somebody that maybe had an injury and where they lost a limb or this, that, and the other. And, and then you could still see the aura or energy field of it. So that's a different device. The ones that are affordable for say you and I to do and or recreate are these ones that go on a table that again would have to be in the complete darkness sort of thing, because it's really a sandwich you're making there of glass running the charge through it. And then that, High voltage charges interacting or not with whatever's in the middle. And then that's what you're kind of figuring out. Yeah, I did a quick search on it. What's interesting is Adobe, like Adobe Photoshop, they have a what is Carillion photo photography page. Um, and I'm looking at some of the things and, you know, Jason, we're going to have to do this. 
if I can pull off, and I pray that I can, I pray that I don't fall on my face having made these big announcements. If I can pull off the solar imagery at the level that allows us to make another movie, we're going to have to include Carillion photography. We're just going to have to. Well, you know what? You may have to keep me updated. I may have to bring my device up there for you and we can uh, play around with it. And, and do I got a lot of toys we can use. Coming from a man who can actually detect auras without the device, I think I'll accept that offer. I mean, what do you think, Jason? <laughs> I think I've got several nice cameras that are itching to be used. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll bring toys as well. And oh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of fun. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Oh, it's interesting. Like on Etsy, I just did a search for Carillion cameras. But apparently, people are modifying just about every kind of camera you can imagine. Yeah, and that's okay. There's different ones. So if they're saying cameras now, so you have to still get that energy response on the thing you're trying to perceive. I know that's an odd way of saying it. So some will be a camera you hold up and just look through. And that's going to give you some stuff. But it, it's it's really, if you heighten the charge, then you get a bigger um, difference. I'm not sure if that made sense. Well, it's unfortunate. A uh, rock band or a performing band and a corporation have co-opted the name Carillion, of course. By the way, Jason and I just learned, well, what was the one they stole in comments? It was, oh, Spagyrix. Some jackhammer out there uh, trademarked Spagyrix. I kid you not. So what does that mean as far as what our usage has been? So so basically, you and I sit here and we say the words Spagyrix over and over and I'm guessing that if we said it in a similar way that their company is trademarked for, they could take umbrage and say, you can't use our company name in your pod. You know, this kind of nonsense. Well, somebody should sue the crap out of them then because that's a word that goes back how many hundreds of years? So it's problematic. I mean, I agree with you. Uh, that, I mean, that's the, the person who commented that was making that very point. I think it was uh, Summer Joy. I hope I didn't get that wrong, but I may have gotten that wrong. But they pointed out exactly that very thing. You know, what right do they have to co-opt the language? But the problem becomes when you trademark a thing, it's very expensive. Actually, it's expensive to a force and it's it's expensive to challenge. And I don't know what the rules are for that. Um, I always assumed like if you came up with a word that's not in common use, like Coke or something, and actually Coke was used, it was just spelled differently. But yeah. The word organite. So those orgone devices we were talking about earlier, that's, that was uh, trademarked as well by an individual. Unreal. What I know. people do, you know, corpsuration, the talking dead, they have no compassion or sense of the living world. So if we actually end up doing a film, you know, a year or more from now, and, and I've, I've made myself so nervous about this whole thing. You literally have to take to do, to shoot at the level I'm about to attempt to shoot. No one online has pulled it off except for the NASA's and the other space agencies who claim they're shooting the sun in X-ray, gamma ray, all this kind of stuff. Whether or not that's true, whether or not you're actually looking at an animation, I couldn't tell you. But what I'm going to do is at the highest level that we can, which is quite sufficient now with the tech where it's gone, but here's the rub. You're going to shoot for five hours collecting stills, thousands of them at a very high resolution, and then you have to reassemble them and force them into a video and process each still along the way. That's what it takes. But the end result, you're lucky if you get more than a minute 15 of runtime off having filmed in that way for five hours. So what you're basically doing is the sun is rotating, apparently, from our point of view. And like you see all these old films you used to see where a blast comes off the sun and it loops back down. 
well, minimally four or five hours to see that whole thing play out. And then they speed it up 500 times. So basically that's what I'm going to do. But I mean, off the top of your head, if you brought your Carillion rig, how could we demonstrate the microcosm idea of what I would be filming in the macro? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to have to give that a lot more thought, to be honest, because now that I realize more of what you're going to be doing, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I've got these other toys and video cameras and stuff. So yeah, I'm going to have to give that more thought, to be honest, on, on how we can maybe blend that. And I'll look into getting a larger Carillion device myself, because I'm all about having fun with these. And we'll, we'll play with it together and see what we can do. So I wanted to talk a little bit with a man like you about gold. Mm-hmm. I've been making some statements lately because I find them logically sound and I feel like no one can poke a hole in it, but that doesn't necessarily make it. No one can poke a hole in it until they do. (laughs) So what I've been saying is I went my whole life not comprehending gold, what it actually represents and means within our world. I've known for a long time that gold is the symbol for the sun. I've known for a long time that sun is the guarantor of life in this world. I've known for a long time that the sun is the light of this world, but it never dawned on me that alchemically it is proof of the highest possible state. It is the only thing we're aware of that does not tarnish, does not rust, doesn't degrade, doesn't you know deteriorate over time. And also, it proves the path is available because the most base metal, like lead, can eventually be gold, as was proven in alchemy, and also proven the last metal it will ever be before it is gold is silver. So do you agree with my assessment of the just lofty, high importance of the meaning of gold demonstrated to us in that way? Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because I don't think we've talked about this when I'm about to tell you either. Yes, I agree. It's it's incredible. It's a great tool. And you had mentioned it can be made from lead. Well, I'll tell you, it can also be made from gallium because I've done it in here and it was by accident. You you made gold out of gallium? I've got some in another room right now and we can, I can go grab it. It's, and we didn't know, and I'll get into what I was doing. So gallium, for those who don't know, who knows where I got into that? I was researching. It's a soft metal that looks like silver. You can put it in your hand and it looks like from that old Terminator movie, um, liquid metal. So that's a thing. So I was playing with that, putting it under the microscope. I just do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so I'm not to leave like 90% of the story out. So I don't bore everybody. But when I was doing that with these little jars of gallium, I'm kind of looking around because I might have one right here next to me. How, how closely is gallium? I'm sorry for interrupting. How closely is gallium related to silver? Closely? Ooh, you know what? I don't know. And I don't want to answer if I don't know, to be honest. Um, All right. I'll let yeah. it go. I'm just noticing the atomic number, sir. But anyhow, sorry for interrupting. Keep going. Oh, no. Interrupt. Because now <laughs> I'm going to look into that because that may be a breadcrumb I need to follow. That's not lost to me, especially from all of you. So using the gallium, I have those orgone uh, or organite, you know, energy devices that I make in here. So I thought, well, this stuff's changing form, doing this, that, and the other. And I know alchemy is a thing. So I put it between devices. Um, it's just something in my desk. They're still sitting here actually and forgot about it. I got on to the next thing for a while and there was a lot of other steps in the middle, but left it sitting there. I came back, looked at it and it's in a sealed jar. So a little glass, I don't know, vial we'll say that's unopened with the gallium and water. I thought, well, you know, maybe we'll see if there's enough. And so my thought process was, well, let's prove, let's figure it out if I can prove to somebody this organite or organ devices, because they do generate heat generate enough heat to have an effect on this gallium, turn it into liquid. That's all I was doing. I wasn't trying to make gold. But then I came back 
about a week later, looked at the little jar. Nope, it wasn't any softer or anything like that, but it it slowly changed form. And on the outer edge, the outer layer, you see flakes of gold. Did the water change color? Um, a little murky. It got a little bit murky. And I can tell the gallium changed state because it wasn't in the long story short, when I melt it in my hand or somewhere, other, you can get hot water and melt it. I poured it into a little silicone mold, the gallium. So it makes this perfectly shaped little plug, we'll just say. So now I can visually see, oh, it changed. So I can tell it somehow it's over the week, it slowly gave change shape because it didn't have that rigid shape anymore from the uh, mold. And then there's like, I'll just call it gold flakes on the inner surface of it. And I haven't had it tested. I don't know how, to, I guess it'd be a spectrometer or something like that. Uh, it turned gold color. So I can tell you that much. So it's interesting because I just did a quick look as people know gold's atomic weight, the way that they do it in the system that I don't agree with is 79, but gallium is uh, 31, but there's actually quite a thing. I wasn't really aware of all that I'm reading about gallium. Um, it was discovered first by a French guy in 1875. They place it in group 13 of the periodic table. I don't accept is correct. Oh, there it is. Uh, soft and silvery metal. Anyhow, that that's very interesting. So if you, I mean, was it tiny amounts of gold, like flakes of the outer shell had, had converted? Yeah, I'll get pictures for you and send it. Just small amounts. Enough to be like, wait a minute, am I holding that the wrong way? And then you can see that it's just gold on there. And it looks like it's on the surface. I haven't grabbed it, tried to take it off or anything. Um, gallium was found the Aztecs actually, because you can't hold it in your hand, it melts. Well, I think it was like 500 years before some scientists in the UK invented or um, processed gallium down, it was already done. And it was the most energy useful and expensive tool down the Aztecs. They actually brought it up. I'm trying to think of the ranch's name in Mexico. And I've been there. Well, there's lots of UFO sightings and this, that, and the other. Um, oh, like the Skinwalker or something? Skinwalker like Ranch, this, that. And in that area, what I'll tell you, and there's whole documentaries on this. In caves in that area, they found stones that were hollowed out with gallium poured into it. Wow. That whole area of the country is very important in the work of James Shelby Downard that showed how geomancy was being leveraged to do dirty deeds to program the public. But we're, we're at the top of the hour. So I want to remind everybody that Derek has just top-notch stuff. Every time he sends me something, I'm so excited to see what's in the box. If you go click on the sponsored link, he's in the top row dead center. It says Mystical Wares. Do we have some kind of a discount going at the time or is it a one-to-one? Oh, no, there's always a discount for Crow listeners. It's Crow777 and they'll get, I think it's 10% off their entire order. All right. So just remember, it's not under the image Crow777 or some semblance of that word. I'm guessing it will get recognized on the other end. But check them out. And you're talking to a man who's clairvoyant. And I have met a few clairvoyant people. And it's really quite a thing. What I would like to talk about, among the other things that we're going to cover in hour two, is you got buried in black goo at the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) And the black goo story was surrounding the internet, like, I don't know, six years, seven years ago, people making the rounds about the black goo. That's one of the things I'd like to bring up in hour two. But I'm going to wrap up hour one. and. Again, you can find Derek at mysticalwares.com, and I'm double-checking my link, mysticalwares.com shop. And so check him out, and remember, there is a discount code, which is basically just 
Crow Triple Seven. That brings hour one of episode 467 to a close. You can catch hour two at crow777radio.com, C R R O W 777radio.com. Any member gets all episodes back to one, and you get free access to the movie Shoot the Moon, which is two hours long, covering all my telescope work, and it has won 10 awards. There it is. We hope to see you on the other side, and I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher minded new era. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing. Come.